0: You're listening to The Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what He did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message.
1: Would we pray as we
0: move into a time of hearing from God's Word? Let's go. Father, thank you for this time that we can gather. I've already thanked you. I'm so glad we can. Now, as we come to hear your word, would you be blessed? Would you help us to find something that we can chew on? Uh, as we open the word, would you open our hearts and minds and ears and eyes that we may see you, know you, experience you, feel your love and your presence now. We thank you for this day. We, we thank you for the rain. We thank you for being able to transcend our, our barriers of, of, of being in distant places. Um, We know that your word goes out into all the world, and you tell us that it does not come back void. You will be glorified. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Also, you'll notice our our friend Matt is not here. We gave him the week off after a few months of doing this, two, a couple months. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's going to take the week off. Uh, Miranda and I. Uh, you are in good hands with us. We are doing a message series called Stand Firm. Uh, Stand Firm is going through a couple weeks in First Peter, which is a letter at the end of your Bible, small one, five chapters. It's written by the Apostle Peter who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, touched, ate with Jesus, learned from Jesus. But now he, he's a little bit older and he's in charge of his own church He's passing along wisdom before he passes on. Things are getting a little tense in his neighborhood. In in some of the tradition of the church, his wife has already been martyred. And so he is uh, relaying his final kind of messages to what he wants people to hear before he passes on. He's writing to the church, not just a specific church, but to all the church. And the church is really struggling. The church is uh, scattered They're experiencing low-level persecution from the cultures that they live in. He's writing over a whole region, a country-sized region, and he's sending this letter to a lot of different places to help them figure out how to weather hardships, to endure suffering, to make it through hard times. This passage today and 1 Peter for the last few weeks is being read all over the world. I did not choose this passage. There's a thing called the lectionary, and the church puts out passages for each Sunday and actually every single day. So this passage is handed down. Christians worldwide are reading this passage today, and we are going to read it too. 1 Peter 3, 13 through 18. Hear, hear the word of the Lord now. Who will harm you if you are zealous for good? But bless, blessed are you even if you suffer because of righteousness. Don't be terrified or upset by them who cause you to suffer. Instead, sanctify Christ the Lord as holy in your hearts, We're going to go through that phrase whenever anyone asks you to speak of your hope be ready to defend it we're going to go through that phrase yet do this with respectful humility maintaining a good conscience act in this way so that those who malign your good lifestyle in christ may be ashamed when they slander you one more because it is better to suffer for doing good if this could be possibly god's will than for doing evil Christ himself suffered on account of sins. Once for all, the righteous one on behalf of the unrighteous. He did this in order to bring you into the presence of God. That is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know how I preach head, heart, hands. Something for us to know. Something for us to experience or feel inside of us. And something for us to do out into the world. It gives us a holistic faith moving from our head to our hearts. Out to the neighborhood around us. So that we don't get that traffic jam of the Holy Spirit trying to clog ourselves up here. So with their head, what does Peter want us to know? Peter wants you to know that when you're going through hardship, one way to stand firm is don't get defensive, get reflective.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Don't get defensive, get reflective. It's easy to get defensive. It's a natural tendency to want to defend ourselves. I'm gonna look at YouTube for a minute. It's easy to get defensive in youtube it's easy to get defensive facebook when when people attack us when they malign us when they persecute us when they question us when they come at us when they judge us peter says that you're blessed when that happens and there's a moment of where we get to be reflective so that we can grow here's what my slides say he, he says who will harm you if you are zealous for good so already peter assumes that if you are just like your bent your posture is to try to do good all the time people generally will be good to you not all the time but by and large people like good people but sometimes he says you might suffer blessed are you the word is makarios it means happy you should be happy when you get to suffer because of righteousness because he tells us it's like Every holy person ever in scripture, including Jesus, you are in good company. He says it's better to suffer for doing good, if this could possibly be God's will, than for doing evil. For Peter, Peter wants you to get reflective and introspective about your difficulties, about your hardships, about your adversity. Uh, for him, suffering falls into two categories you can suffer justly or you can suffer unjustly. How do we know which one, right? Uh, rarely do we think we are suffering unjustly, we always think that we're justifying, maybe not all of us, but I can justify myself when other people attack, criticize, question, talk trash. I can figure out a way. It reminds me of this sign. I blocked out the part that was mean. Everything happens for a reason. And sometimes that reason is you make bad decisions, right? Sometimes you get criticism because you need criticism. Sometimes you messed up. Sometimes you made a bad decision and sometimes the hardship that comes from that, the questioning, the criticism, the judgment, is not entirely unjustified right we can always justify ourselves always find a crowd to make us feel better but that's not where growth is that's not where the holy spirit wants you to be trying to self-soothe with finding people that just want to tickle your ears and tell you how great you are that is not that is not what the holy spirit wants you to do that's easy that's the easy way that's what kids do in fact one of my questions for miranda was going to be but it's not (laughs) Kids know which parent to go to to get the yes, right? They know (laughs) when they feel like they're being persecuted. Uh, That's easy stuff. That's kid stuff. But that's not where God wants you to grow. What if that's not where God wants to heal you? Sometimes we suffer in a holy way, a righteous way. And Peter says we are blessed. We are happy. God smiles on us when we do that. So how do we know when it's just and unjust? Here's what Peter says. Christ himself suffered on account of sins once for all. The righteous one on behalf of the unrighteous. Mm -hmm. He did this in order to bring you into the presence of God. Jesus suffered. We will too. But Jesus' suffering had a purpose. It was on behalf of hurting people. That might be the clue for how we know when we are suffering justly and unjustly. Mm -hmm. Are our hardships here because we did something selfish and self-centered? Or because we did something other-centered for someone else? Mm-hmm. That might be the question to ask in the middle of that hardship. That might be just the, the pointed pinnacle question for the Holy Spirit to, for you to not get defensive, for me to not get defensive, for the Holy Spirit to use that moment of difficulty, of adversary, adversity, of hardship to take us to the next level. Are we in this place because of something we did for ourselves, because of something we did for someone else. Here's my question for Miranda and for myself. Do you have any tools to not get to not take things personally, and or get defensive <laughs> to really hear the criticism without owning the attack?
1: <laughs> and I'm not
0: asking yeah. because I have an answer. I'm asking because I want to learn,
1: you know, I <laughs> I can't really say that I have that I have tools. But I think for me, um, I do have to take a minute and step back. Because my fir- my first uh, reaction is, is to get defensive. Yeah. Is to think this is all about me. Somebody's attacking my character, attacking you know my person, um, and so that that's just my initial go-to. But um, I've tried in the last couple of years to to stop and think about it before I react. Yeah. So I don't I don't just don't know if there's any way to to stop that initial reaction. That's it. It's a knee jerk. It's a, it's a, just a natural thing, but how we move forward in that and in being community with people that we love is to, to stop our reaction point point. Yeah. and really think about what is the end result. So, yeah. you know, if, if it's not about me, if it's yeah. not about my personal thing and the end result is to, I don't, you know, whatever it is being community, then I really have to think about that first um, and take those criticisms or take that, uh, into consideration before I react and yeah. and I'm really thinking about this um, and this is just I think on point because this month if you guys don't know is uh, foster care awareness month um, and the way that this has happened for me a lot recently in the last couple of years uh, is on my journey in foster care um, and so sometimes you know when you're taking care of somebody else's children um, it can feel very you can feel very under attack yeah. as far as your parenting style and and um and it isn't about me uh and it took me a long time <laughs> to not internalize that but really know that um i have to listen to those concerns i have to listen to their concerns because i am caring for their child yeah. uh, and not take it personally and ultimately if we can come together it's really about just the care of this child um and they have concerns and i have concerns and can we can we meet around the table and do this together as a team so It's not easy. Yeah, I don't know.
0: I think you pinpointed something really helpful when he talks about Peter about who will suffer for doing good. That's actually the moment where it gets really hard. Is when you are trying to do something good Mm -hmm. and there's criticism, you're like, "How dare you? (laughs) I will punch everybody in here in the throat!" Right? Like, yeah. um, So that's exactly Uh where I am. It's like I feel like sometimes I try really hard, and when the neck comes under attack, man, I'm ready to throw fists. Mm -hmm. But my, my joke was slash very honestly, like I don't have any tools. I take things very defensively (laughs) and personally, someone could say something like, man, I was at the store the other day and this guy smelled so bad. And I'd be like, was I at that store? Like, I'm like, are you talking about me right now? Why would you tell me that? There's a reason, you know, like I'm like a detective level clue finder when someone's saying something and I'm like, that's gotta be about me. So I don't have any clue. I like yours. I was trying to look up some articles about how do we not get defensive? And gottman institute says one of the things is time mm-hmm. time allows us to not react but just we can have purposeful action mm-hmm. and sometimes we just got to say in the middle of uh, maybe a, a, an encounter with somebody especially a spouse or a kid or a parent or mm-hmm. like hey I, I need a minute i'm feeling flooded i'm feeling like my emotions are getting you know i'm going to need to come back mm-hmm. i also know that in my own um, training to do some marital counseling that if you can schedule conflict mm-hmm. you cut your you cut your argument and tension in half. Mm-hmm. So if you say, hey, let's talk about this on Wednesday at 745 when the kids are in bed, man, your, your the tension in your argument is going to be cut in half. So time is a great way. I like that. Um, also, just being able to recognize that there's a knee-jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. Peter wants our knee-jerk reaction to be joy when someone comes at us. <laughs> and I just don't, I'm not mature enough. I'm not Peter mature yet, but I hope to be someday. With our heart, what does Peter want us to experience, feel? What does he want going on in here? Uh, Here's what I got. Embrace adversity to remove anxiety. He wants us to embrace it. Remember I just talked about joy is the knee-jerk reaction he wants us to have because we get to participate in the suffering of Jesus. We get to be counted among the prophets and the holy people of old. And so he wants us to embrace adversity to remove anxiety. I found this study from Scientific American, not a study, somebody who is an expert writing a a blog about this. uh, So take that for what it's worth. But she says this, sometimes embracing emotional distress is the best medicine. Mm -hmm. And then the subtitle, the subheadline, avoiding mental discomfort at any cost can be a self-defeating strategy. I mean, even science is is talking about this. This is even coming out of uh, folks like Brene Brown, who says, excuse me, says, like, if we never go through adversity and if we never uh, go through difficult things and hardships, then we don't reinforce in ourselves that we can. And a lot of our anxiety comes from not believing we'll make it through, believing that the adversity that comes is going to be too much. And so the more we flex that muscle of embracing adversity, the more stories we'll have of saying, I made it through that. I made it through that. I told that story of my daughter a few weeks ago uh, of when she had to get a splinter out and uh, how she self-talked in a way that she's like, I, I've gone through harder things. I had I had uh, tonsillectomy. That was really difficult. I'm gonna be fine. Um, there's a way in which we can build story and build adversity muscles that when we can embrace adversity, we don't go looking for it. I'm not telling you to go try to find it. Church has been very clear about this over the history. But if we can learn to embrace adversity, we will minimize anxiety and fear in our life. Peter says the same thing. Blessed are you, even if you suffer because of righteousness. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you blessed? Why are you blessed? I told you because we get to be counted among the company of the faithful, but also because we get to build that muscle that helps us weather the storms of life all the better. He says, Don't be terrified. Fear anxiety has no place in this or upset sanctify Christ the Lord as holy in your hearts let's walk through that phrase because it's wildly important but it's a lot of weird religious words what does heart mean we know heart means it's the center of our emotions that's not what it means biblically heart is not the seat of emotions that's their stomach which I like better as the seat of emotion I feel stuff in my gut more than I feel stuff in in my chest Heart is not the seat of emotion biblically, but the seat of our personality, of our thoughts, of our will. For us, that's our brain. That's our head. For the biblical culture, it it was their heart. I'm going to put this together for us. What does sanctify mean? Sanctify means to make holy, to make uh, worthy to be in God's presence or worthy to be somewhere. uh, Holy, to make holy, to be set apart, special use for religious purposes. So how do we make Jesus holy, sanctified, in our personalities, wills, and thoughts, in our hearts? I mean, Jesus is the holy one. He is the one by which all other things are judged as holy. He is the holiest of holies. So how does Peter, and why does Peter tell us to make Jesus holy, to sanctify Jesus in our hearts, our personalities, thoughts, and wills? Here's what I got. Two ways. Embrace Jesus' teaching and example as the primary voice we listen to. And what that means for Peter specifically is Jesus suffered. We will too. Trying to avoid suffering is only going to increase anxiety and fear in our life. Worry really is just trying to avoid pain. We are just trying to come up with a plan to avoid pain but if and planes. Um, uh, but if we can embrace Jesus as the primary voice at the core of who we are, then we know that suffering can be inevitable and, in fact, can actually have purpose and be redemptive and have hope right in the middle of it. But also, we let our actions, wills, and personalities reflect who Jesus is in our everyday life. That's what it means to sanctify. Him. We can't make Jesus holy, but we can live out his holiness as he is the core of who we are, at the core of our hearts. We certainly, like Peter says, we don't suffer unjustly and drag his name through the mud all over town by saying, I'm a Christian, but like we're robbing liquor stores or something. Like That's not what Peter wants us to do. He wants us, if we do experience hardship, to do so righteously and to reflect the character of Jesus in, in through that. Mm-hmm. Peter says that when we do this, fear, terror, anxiety isn't a concern. We're not afraid of the people who bring hardship on because we know that God can use it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We know that it's going to come. We can face it with courage. We're not afraid of people or hardships because Jesus, the primary, Jesus is the primary person we want to honor. And Jesus left us an example of how to go through hardship well. So my question, how do we embrace adversity? And what can we say to ourselves to prepare ourselves for oncoming adversity? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just thinking if there's something we have that knee-jerk thing. there's something we can say that just, it's coming, how can we change our mindset to maybe be more embracing
1: rather than, I don't know, um, ignoring? Or- yeah, yeah. I think, oh, that's a hard question. Yep. For for me, I think when when I'm in the storm, I do tend to get a, a sense of calmness that really nobody else in my house gets because yep. everyone else is in... in I'm assuming I know that that is a God thing because life would just crumble around us if we all were. But if I if I can if I can see myself heading into the storm, yeah. that's when I get really anxious. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. It's it's about recognition of okay, we are. Yeah. And changing my mindset into like, what are we going to get out of this? I all I often think that you know it's a growing moment. It's a teaching moment. Um. And so, I always try to find the like the purpose of it yeah. like i'm okay i am okay yeah. to um to live to live in intention and struggle for a period of time if i know that i'm going to get something out of it and so i think that's just me trying to make it worth it i love it make it worth it so i'll sit in that storm for a little bit as long as i can kind of find a uh, find a purpose yeah. for it uh, well, i don't know that's not i really love good. that
0: I think where most of us get stuck, and I think what you're talking about is we can get stuck with the why question of like, and I say this often because it's true for me. If we start asking, why is this happening? Um, and why is God doing this to us or something like that? You can get stuck there pretty easy because there's not a lot of answers to why. But if we can ask the question you're asking of like, how? Now that I'm in this, how do I get through? Mm -hmm. And how is God going to make purpose out of this and meaning out of this? Mm -hmm. That is just such a better question of like, how are we going to move forward? What what does our story look like? And how does it look different with this event that we're going through right now? Man, that is going to help you get through the storm so much better than just going, Mm -hmm. why did this happen to me? How, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't also have a question, an answer, a good answer, a succinct answer for this about how we embrace Mm -hmm. adversity well. But I think if we can't find a piece of Scripture that helps us, mm-hmm. um, like uh, this passage in Peter has been really helpful for me over the years, decades, just like, blessed are you when you suffer. Like, uh, if we can say, so, like and, and I don't say that because I understand what Peter's saying. In fact, it's a little bit of a mystery to me. I don't fully understand why he'd want us to rejoice so much. But Jesus says the same thing in Matthew chapter 5. In fact, the first command of Jesus ever in Scripture is when you are persecuted. He says, rejoice and leap much, for you are in the company of the prophets who've gone before. And so Peter's echoing Jesus. I think there's a way in which, even though I don't understand, and even though there's a mystery in this, if I could just say, like, blessed are you, or even um, the word leap much, uh The word is be glad in your your scripture, but the real meaning behind it is is a leap. And so I I have to think about that when I see hardship coming of, like, Mm -hmm. leap much. Like, just a short phrase to, like, help you get outside of the situation from it overwhelming you and get some perspective on it as you're heading through. Mm -hmm. Yeah? So give yourself a phrase. I don't know what your phrase is going to be. Maybe something scriptural of, like, similar to Miranda's of, like, God works all things for good or something like that. Mm-hmm. That says, I don't know why I'm going through this, but I know God's going to do something amazing with it and through it. Turn this test into a testimony.
1: Uh, Jabal just said, I always assure myself that Jesus is with me and there is no coincidence. So I just need to choose the path that Jesus is leading me on and pray for it. Yes. And I love that. And it, I, Last year I took a class um, with uh Pastor Chris Himberry yeah. over at FCC, uh, it was strategic planning, but something he said that stuck with me this past year, and it was a reminder that God has gone before us, that he is with us in that, and then also he's going he's gonna to follow up yeah. after us too, and there's still just something about that that is my spirit, I think, this past year of just knowing that whatever I'm facing, uh, he's been there before, he's going to walk with me through it. Uh, and then he's going to be help me pick up the pieces <laughs> afterwards and reassemble. So,
0: yes. Yeah. Eugene Peterson, one of the most prolific writers um, and pastors of the uh, 1900s, early 2000s. He has a phrase exactly like that. In Jesus's resurrection, Jesus says, I'm going ahead of you into Galilee and I'll meet you there. And he said, every time I was going into a hard situation. I would remember that phrase of jesus saying i'm going ahead of you in galilee and i'll meet you there and he's like my hardship my difficulty was galilee and um or you just like Jobel bell saying god is always with us the last words of jesus and matthews and i'm with you till the end of the age i will never leave you nor forsake you if you can give yourself a phrase to just reframe your mental perspective about going into adversity that's going to help you so much in embracing it Trying not to go around it, trying not to get defensive, and it will minimize the anxiety and fear in your life. Peter's saying it. Science says it. I think it's it's a helpful tool for us. What does Peter want us to do with our hands? Uh, he wants us to become the neighborhood hope dealer. <laughs> Give me grace with that. But here's what he says. Uh, Peter says, whenever anyone asks you to speak of your hope, be ready to defend it. Yet do this with respectful humility. Now, if you grew up in the church, sometimes you've heard this verse used, maybe even had to memorize it in youth group or something. Sometimes Christians use this verse to mean go out and argue some folks into the faith (laughs) and or defend Christianity against all attacks from all naysayers. And what they always leave off, they have that Be prepared to give an answer for your hope. Defend yourself. They always leave off that respectful humility part that Peter adds. And and people often take this this verse as a license to go out and be argumentative. And listen, I love to argue. I love love it. I love it. Uh, But this verse does not give us license to do that. That's not what this is. Peter doesn't mean it that way at all. Here's what Peter means as soon as my slides catch up. Remember Peter said, we talked about this in weeks past, He said that we are mobile temples and priests, that you are being built into a a spiritual temple, that you are doing the work of a priest, which which means that you are where heaven touches earth. We are, as a collective body, where heaven touches earth. God dwells in you. You are one in whom Christ dwells and delights. You are a priest in that you help other people experience God. You help other people experience forgiveness for their sins. Peter tells us that we are... This incredible temple where God dwells and priests, the workers there who help others experience. But we're not a building located in one space. We're mobile people out and about helping people experience heaven here and now. So Peter is saying something like, when you're going through difficult times, but have the joy of Jesus in your heart, be ready to, with humility, speak your hope. He's saying, be ready to give an answer for how you so joyfully endure hardship because people are going to notice. People are watching, and they're going to ask, how are you going through this hard time so well? How are you going through this difficulty, this adversity, this suffering so well? That's what Peter's saying. Don't go out, try to clobber somebody with some verses to try to get them to heaven. That almost never works. But as you take on your superpower— I've said before, the power of Christians, their superpower is that they know how to suffer well and they know how to try to alleviate the suffering of hurting and marginalized and vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. As you do that work, people will notice and they're going to ask. And I hope mm-hmm. your answer, it's not about defending. Why did I say uh, it's not about defending? It's about helping others make sense of how you endure hardship mm-hmm. so well. And I hope your answers at least include some of these four.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Jesus jesus is how i endure this so well i have sanctified him as holy and the lord as lord of my heart uh i hope you would say your church family is helping you Mm -hmm. i hope you would say some spiritual practices help you and i hope you would say service to your community your neighborhood your city around you would be helpful Mm -hmm. and that's my question for us which one of those is increasing your hope this week
1: yeah um i would say Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, Number one. Uh, And I, when I'm, when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about, yeah, just in general, this time of, uh, this pandemic and uh, the stay at home orders and all of those things. And as I shared a couple of weeks ago, I was definitely super struggling with that. But the thing that I with staying at home as far as that goes, but what I have not struggled with and it is a hundred percent of Jesus thing um, is like what I believe God has called me to do, like God has called me, put the call on my heart, uh, to do foster care, um, to be in the healthcare field, to to work as a nurse. That's shifting a lot right now, Uh, but ultimately um, during this time, definitely called me to those things. And so I feel like I know that if God has called me to those things, that he's going to walk with me through it, and don't take this the wrong way. It doesn't mean that I'm, you know, just walking around thinking that I'm going to be completely uh, protected against uh, COVID and all of those things. I think God does allow us to have people in our lives that, like my mother-in-law, who can make masks for me and uh, m 3 that can make N95s and things like that. So don't. I will definitely be utilizing those, but I do think that God has called me to walk into those spaces free from fear and so i'll continue to do that um, in the midst of it so yeah i hope that answers your question i love it (laughs) Um,
0: if i can i'm going to reframe it with the language that we use but it sounds Mm -hmm. like in by owning the call that you feel like you've experienced that's a that's a way that you have sanctified the lord jesus as holy in your Mm -hmm. heart and let jesus speak to the primary identity of your of who you are and the actions that you're going to do the way that you serve your community and so Jesus has given you hope, and part of that hope, part of that sanctification we learned about is not being terrified, not having fear. Um, caution, but not fear. Those are different things for okay. sure. Uh, hope for me this week is my church family. Um, I think this week I had one of my hardest days, uh, getting my kids to go to school, just just the weight of the world feeling like it's on me. And um, I had someone in our church family just message me out of the blue and say, uh, "How are you doing today?" And it was just like right in the middle of like <laughs> me being my maddest and most upset and most frustrated. And I just felt like that was a bit of Jesus, like, "Get outside. Don't let this. This is this, this situation's not going to overwhelm you. You can get some perspective. You're not alone. There are people in this with you." And uh, and so church family this week has the most been the most encouraging thing, uh, the most hope filling thing for me. Yeah. Um, and it's what I'm able to tell you. I'm, I'm giving you, I'm def- giving you a defense of my hope right now—the mm-hmm. hope that is in me. Here's my summary, and then we're going to move into a time of communion. With our head, uh, Peter wants us to know. As soon as my slides catch up, mm-hmm. y'all, come on, slides. Don't get defensive. Get reflective mm-hmm. about growth opportunities and adding purpose to our pain and hardship for others. Right? And the question we're asking there. Is it self-centered or is it other-centered? Are we struggling for these reasons? With our heart, Peter wants us to know, and ultimately God's Word wants us to know, Mm -hmm. that we can embrace adversity to decrease anxiety, knowing that as Jesus becomes core to who we are, fear has less of a place in our hearts. And with our hands, God's Word wants us to become hope dealers People are watching how you endure hardship. Mm. They are. This is a time to speak about your hope, to let your hope be magnified, to not let the situations overwhelm us, but that perspective and get to speak hope into the world with humility and respect, right? Not arrogance, not disrespect, mm. humility and respect. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you for your encouragement to not be afraid, which is maybe the most repeated command in all of Scripture. And you don't just tell us not to be afraid. You show us how to not be afraid. Putting Jesus in our hearts, enthroning him as the king of our lives. First Lord, I pray for folks who have never done that. If they're watching right now and they're new to church or new to the faith or new to asking questions about who you are, I pray with them now that they would begin this journey of making Jesus the Lord of their life and throwing them in his heart in their hearts. And for the rest of us, Lord, as we've already made that big decision, I pray that you would help us to continue in our growth mm-hmm. to remove that defensive posture and move into a more reflective and introspective posture that your Holy spirit would begin to transform our minds so that when adversity comes, we may leap much We may embrace it so that we may remove the fear and anxiety that often comes with it. And let that build so much hope in us that it overflows and is noticeable to the people around us. That we would exude hope, causing people to ask the question. And and, and do so with humility. Everybody loves a humble person, Jesus. Help us to be humble and respectful and hopeful, to the max. Now, Lord, as we come to a time of communion, would your uh, spirit be in these elements and in our hearts that as we partake of them, we would meet with you. We come with expectation and anticipation that you are going to meet us here as you always do and as you promise to always do. We pray that it would be spiritual nourishment for this journey, spiritual strength for us to not get defensive but to get reflective. And we pray that it would be the seed of hope in us that would germinate and blossom into being so hope-filled. We thank you. We praise you. We say these things in Jesus' name. Amen.